Welcome to the Rare and Remarkable podcast featuring stories from the sales of RR Auction in Boston. My name is Bobby Livingston, and that's what we do when we put together a sale. We tell stories. Every month, usually twice a month, we hold auctions of some of the most remarkable things that you can imagine. And uh, recently, we were called by a famous singer, songwriter, accomplished artist, author, Susanna Malvoin. Uh, she called us up and she said that she had some things that were in storage and under her bed that, that she really just wanted to uh, wanted us to come take a look at. When people like Susanna call us and had cross with a famous person, uh, we really encourage them to get those things into the hands of people that will curate them and love them and understand their significance. And Susanna Melvoin, who uh, had a working relationship with the musician Prince, uh, had a uh, romantic relationship with Prince. In fact, at one point uh, was engaged to Prince. You might know that her twin sister, Wendy, played in uh, Prince's band during the Purple Rain era. But when they, when they lived together, it was, uh, I think it was pre-Paisley Park time, and they bought furniture together and art together. Uh, Susanna witnessed Prince composing songs and creating music uh, in his art and has insights that most people never got to see. 30 years later, her, her life's moved on. She has a lot of great stuff. The, these are the best types of collections because they're filled with forgotten emotions uh, and, and insights into prints that now mean more to history. Susanna agrees that these things need to get out of her storage unit and into the hands of people that will appreciate them. Susanna Melvoin, thank you for being here with me. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's, it's great. So give us the story how you and your sister, twin sister Wendy, met Prince. We met Prince uh, through our dear, darling friend, Lisa Coleman, who we grew up with. Lisa and Lisa's father, Gary, and my father, Mike, were studio session players here in Los Angeles who'd been playing together since the early 60s. Um, they were both part of the Wrecking Crew and had played on every session known to man during that period of time. You know, everything from you know, Barbara Streisand gigs to from John Lennon to yeah, Beach Boys, the whole, it went on and on and on. Um, but we all grew up together. We, you know, family friends, our mothers were best friends. So we just all grew up either we were at their house or they were at our house. So you know, when Wendy and I were, um, we lived with our, <laughs> we lived back, it's a long story, but also we come from broken homes. Everyone was divorced. So everybody's kind of like all over the place, but somehow the kids all stayed very close. And um, Lisa got a call to audition for Prince when she was 19. And we are four, five years younger than Lisa, four years younger than Lisa. And so we found out Lisa had got the gig with Prince. Wendy and I were living on the East Coast with our mom. And um, we, were, we were like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. Because we were huge fans. We'd heard this guy on the radio. Wendy and I were like were the total nerds in the middle of the night, you know, trying to listen to pirate radio as much as we could in the middle of the night when it was a clear, crystal clear moon. And it was the colder, the better the reception of the, you know, the radio frequencies. And we could get all these cool, like indie, weird radio, late radio shows. And we happened to be, you know, like dance 
disco babies. We loved to go to dance clubs and sneak in at as way underage kids. But um, we liked to have fun. But uh, we were huge fans when Prince even started and being played on radio. And so when we heard that Lisa got this gig with Prince, we were thrilled. So cut to years down the line, Wendy and I uh, moved back from the East Coast back to Los Angeles when we graduated high school. And Lisa had already been playing with Prince. And Wendy and Lisa um, became lovers. Um, it's funny enough, childhood friends turning into a married couple. But Wendy went to visit Lisa on the road. And so the, that's a whole story in itself that I'm sure, you know, some of your, the, your you know, the, the listeners, they may know this already, you know, that way, how Wendy got the gig. But that's how I was introduced to Prince after Wendy had been. And um, so Wendy and I and Lisa were um, very close to him. He would come to California, come to L.A. before the uh, Purple Rain um, record was being even being done. It was all pre-production stuff. And it was actually it was 1999. It was after 1999. I was out after the tour was finished. Um, Wendy and Lisa and I, we all lived together and Prince would come into town and we'd go pick him up at the airport and we'd bring him back to our place. And we had this tiny little itty bitty house in West Hollywood that was on Willoughby um, and it was this itty bitty teeny tiny tiny place so you could hear everybody from you know you could call and whisper somebody's name in the kitchen if you were in one of the bedrooms and you know bring me a cup of coffee and they'd bring you a cup of coffee I mean it was that's how tiny it was Um, but he would come and stay with us and you know we all started to you know become very close particularly close (laughs) and um we had a we started a, a our relationship first before a working relationship M- myself i'm talking about me not wendy or lisa and um that's how we you know i'm just basically cutting it into teeny tiny little sound sure. bites here but that's how it started you know that's it was the three of us um living together and and he would come to LA and stay with us so that's how that started there's way more to it, but uh, I, I'm sure that's a, that's a whole other radio show. That's right. So what, one of the things that you have is extremely important. I think historically is you consigned to us a pair of gray leggings that uh, he yeah. actually wore in that first famous 1979 Capri show. And we have photos of him wearing these. Now, do you recall how you, you got these? Yes. Um, during the sh- the filming of Purple Rain, it was actually just at the beginning of the filming, um, and everybody was planted down at First Avenue doing the sh- the the, um, the live shoots. Um, I went out to visit him and stayed at his place, and it was a bitter, bitter, bitter Minnesota winter. Um, my first bitter winter, uh, and I stayed at his place at his house, and um, one particular day was extraordinarily cold and the wind chill factor if you've been in Minneapolis during those winters when it's particularly cold it can get to 70 below with a wind chill and there was just no way I could heat up I, my bones were chilled and 
I, he had his, his bedroom was downstairs of, of the, of this sort of looked like a one story house, but it was below. So you'd have to walk down the stairs to where the studio was and his bedroom. And there was a, 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 an area of the room that had this large closet area and it was all it was decorated like a, you know like a boudoir it was beautiful and dark and there was no light to be anywhere if you needed to get some sleep because you'd been in the studio all night I got that but I was in his closet trying to find sweaters or blankets or anything and there was you know on the floor but on his boots were the gray leggings and he walked in and he, she said, do you need something warm? And I said, well, these are leg warmers. I love these. Can I wear these? And he said, yeah, of course you can wear those. You can have those. And he knew that I was a dancer and I immediately put them on. It was just one of the many layers of things I found to put on me, but I put the leg warmers on and it was just the perfect thing I needed it with a big giant sweater on and another scarf and, and he said, you can keep those. You just t- take those. And so that's, you know, that's how I got them. And I- no, they're well-worn. I mean, they're, they're cool, you know, and it's, it's, it's a great story. On, on oh, they're that. well-worn. They're completely frayed because you, can, you, you even see that, you know, they're so frayed where his heel, the high heel would come through. He would, put the, he would wear the, the leggings on over his boots and over, the le- over his jeans or his pants, whatever he was wearing. It wasn't under or you could you always saw them and so you saw his boots the, the you know the tip of the boot and his heel come through um they were they're you know he was you know super super gorgeous and cool in him always so i don't know what else to say you know we have a lot of artwork uh that that you two own together and a lamp from when you live together well, yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, the, those are all paintings that went, or they're prints that we put in. Sorry about that, double entendre. Um, these were um, prints of the Larry Eichhardt stuff that we both loved. This um, that while Carrie Moon was being um, filmed in France. Um, Paisley Park was being built and we were also building the house that we were to be living, we were going to live in when we got back from France. And this is the house that's on Galpin where all the, the home studio was where we would record. But Paisley was also being built at the same time as the house was. And so um, when I would come back into the States, I would go go to Los Angeles and um, meet with the, the, uh, the interior designer. And we were, you know, just doing a lot of shopping and meeting other, uh, going to um, um, furniture warehouse, not even warehouses, but there were, you know, uh, furniture stores that uh, wholesale beautiful places. And but we ended up having everything made for the house. But these particular prints were something that we bought for the house. And they were all strewn throughout the entire house. And we bought lamps and these, all these, the, to go with that era of um, to vintage um, uh, nouveau um, art deco kind of feel to it. They sure do. And so you're saying, you know, that 
uh, Prince picked these out with you and he, he gazed at these pictures with you, right? I mean, that's what makes them not just, you know, store-bought prints. They're <laughs> they belong to no, you. No, no, no. These were really specific. Nothing could get, nothing it was put in the house that he didn't want to have a look at, you know, although he had complete faith in myself and um, Karen Crattinger, who was also his um, assistant and also who ran Paisley and who was building Paisley at the time. Um, uh, it, it was, you know, while he was working, it was like, this is what you guys would, you know, that's my, my uh, our thing. That's what we would do. So he, um, that was the theme of what we all wanted, what me and uh, what Prince and I wanted. Well, so, I think it, it says a lot, you know, I, I think those are, these are really interesting that uh, you guys had this. Well, in this I, house. I, I loved them. I, I loved these pieces, you know, and then they were, um, I don't know. There, there was a, I don't know. It's, it's so personal there. The whole collection is so uh, unbelievably personal to me. It's hard for me to, to um, give it the import that I feel for it. I'm hoping that other people will enjoy it. It's time that they be in other, in other people's hands where they will feel as loved. And the history of these things will have um, an impact on their lives. I, it's had, it's played its part in mine and, um, they are, it's important that they be seen and that that history be out there in my opinion. And yes, yeah, of course. I'm, I'm glad to share, I'm glad to share that. These are parts of Prince that he, you know, his personal style and taste and, his, you know, how he, what, what he visually he liked to see in his surroundings. And it's, you know, that's all part of what that is. So I'm happy to share them. It's, and it's important that you do, and it's important that you get them out there, uh, letting people know that these, you know, these belong to you in Prince. These aren't, these, you know, these have value on their own, but with provenance and a letter mm -hmm. from you stating that they hung in, in your house is is remarkable and they will hold their value and people will appreciate them. One of the personal note that you have is this one about the, the ballet, you know, Prince, Prince has incredible handwriting, you know, unmistakable when we we've seen, you know, letters, lyrics and things. What, what did you think of his, his handwriting? First of all, yeah, I have to say that he worked very hard on his penmanship. He loved his penmanship. It was all part of the persona he felt very important to 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 offer the world you know if he was going to write his lyrics if he was going to write his um signature his autograph it was something he worked on as a young guy this isn't it's just not random that he chose to write this way he designed his own penmanship to go with who he was. It was all very brilliant, you know, really, that he'd have any foresight into that, that that would be part of the big scheme of things, that his penmanship would have that kind of in, impact because nobody, I mean, how, what, you know, male figure really thinks about how beautiful his penmanship is, uh, who's, the, you know, a, a macho rock star. You know, he had that whole androgyny and that, then it went right down to his penmanship. So I loved his penmanship. 
And I loved, you know, I thought it was gorgeous. You know, I mean, I, I was, I was one of those kids who was like, look at how beautiful my handwriting is. <laughs> I, you know, look at all my, I love all my perfect S's and my, you know, I was that way, but I never thought I'd meet somebody, certainly not a man who would be that way. But um, he was, you know, and not, there wasn't one thing, there wasn't one piece of paper that if he were to write on it, it would just be a, you know, a scribble. Nothing. So it's, I have a, I've, I've, um, I've, uh, I've given you guys a, 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 an entire notebook of his handwriting a script and it, even looking at the script and his penmanship in that, it's all, it's, it's, it's the same. It's beautiful. That notebook you know, I mean, is uh, anything that he'd mark out. This, the script is for under the cherry moon, correct? The script is for Under the Cherry Moon, yeah, and he's got, you know, there's the, the full 17 pages of this extraordinary penmanship, and it happens to be an, an, an amazing scene in the film. I mean, it's, it's the, uh, he's, he's at the table with uh, Jerome, and uh, he, uh, and also, and Christian Stock, Scott Thomas, who's the lead actress in the film, um, they're sitting at the table, and Prince plays this joke on her, and it's the Recasto joke and which he played out with me before he <laughs> did it in the film and I was the dummy who fell for it <laughs> unbelievable but um yeah but it's um it's his joke it's not you know this it's it's what's so important is that for me you know it's an important thing because he played this joke out on me and he did it a few different times before he wrote it in the script into the script uh, to play it out in that film, in that in that scene, and um, so for me to have to have it and to it's in my it's in my position possession is just a reminder of you know like the amount of fun that he would have at my expense, quite frankly. But um, I was the, the sucker who went for the joke. It's a great opening into who in in, in into his, his psyche, into who, him and his playfulness. I, you know, I noticed in the notebook that he, uh, he uses, um, give me a dark room and a Johnny Mathis album and I'll show her f the real fun. And then in the film, they switched it out. That's to Sam <laughs> they switched it out to Sam Cooke. Is that, is that the way it worked? Yes. And, and I'm a yes. Sam Cooke. I, I, I would go with Sam Cooke any day over Mathis, but I don't know about you, Susanna. But <laughs> right. Well, that, that's true. And he, he, he needed to give it a little more clout in his mind. He was like, no, it's not going to be a man. No, it's going to go Sam Cooke. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, yeah. a, you know, extremely significant, by the way, for the collectors that are listening. I mean, it's, you, it, it's seldom that you get 17 pages in a, in a notebook with an important uh, manuscript like this, a yeah. film as famous as Under the Cherry Moon. Yeah, now, true. when did he write into this notebook? Was he with you at the time? Or was he away? When, when was he composing this? Do you recall? Oh, no, he was, he was, he was with me at the time. We were in Paris. Now, we what, were staying at the Crayon Hotel. Yeah. So how long were you? So was was he? He was filming under the Cherry Moon at this time, or not yet? Not yet. But it was coming well, up. Well, no, no. I, I can't say he wasn't. I can't say he wasn't shooting. He was. He began all the pre-production. He had done. I think. No, 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 no. He had not done any of the shooting. This was all pre-shooting. But the shoot was going to start within within weeks because we were in Paris. And they were getting all the locations were scouted. They were sorted, ready to go. And he was just sort of, um, you know, finishing up bits of the script. 
So that's, you know, nothing had been shot yet. But he was in Paris composing this, uh, writing his, the screenplay for the film, and you were with him in the, I guess, in the yeah. city, in the city of love. And one of the, I think one of the yeah. things, <laughs> one of the things that you have that I insisted that you give to me uh, to, to auction for you because it's extremely important. What you have is a pre sort of mystery proposal that was sent to me um, a couple a month or so before we left for Paris. And I got that. Yeah. He sent me flowers and sent this, these cards and right. I mean, he, so that's what's so he, special about he, those. You know, he called up a florist and you can, or went into a florist or must've called them because it's not his handwriting, but it's in that, you know, future, the purple uh, envelope ex- in the, and the, that's car- exactly right. That's ex- that's exactly right. And he would have had right. to have told them over the phone. I want four cards, please. No yes. guess. Yes. You know, and he puts it in your, yes. and, they, and then they, yeah. they miss maybe. Yeah. And maybe, yeah. yeah. And maybe, you know, yeah. a, a little bit of, you know, the shy sort of like, maybe it won't be so arrogant here. <laughs> maybe it, it's incredible. <laughs> and you can see when he called in the florist, they yeah. misspelled your name on the envelope, you know? Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, yes. it's, uh, with an A instead of Alan Mel. So uh, an incredibly important, uh, piece that needs to get in the hands of a collector because it's sophisticated. It's difficult. You could have chosen to uh, discard of this. I kept it because of that's how special it was. I kept it for that very reason that I knew no matter if it was his writing, this was him. This came directly from him. That's why, that's why I kept it. It didn't matter that it, you know, that it was the florist that he was talking to, that it was writing and putting it in the flowers. I knew that nobody could think that way. That was him. Yeah, and and you can see what he felt. I mean, he was playful, like you said, and he 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 was in love. Yes. And it's 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 a fantastic, yes, uh, important piece. Yes, it's okay for me to put those into the hands of of collectors and of people who really would say that their lives become fuller. That they have they they then add sort of a you know. Uh, uh, a t- uh, I want to say a f- it puts sort of branches on their tree of life, you know, starts to grow. Like this is part of now their lives that they can feel is that they become a part of through me. Yeah. That's what, collect- and I'm happy to share that. That's what collectors are. That's, you know, that's what these, you know, that's, that's what a collector does. They take these things and they curate them and they, they take care of them and, you know, when they can get them directly from someone right, like and, you, and it's fantastic. Yes, I'm, ha- I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm happy to do it. If I had more, I would for that very reason. I mean, I, like I said, the, the music is for me this point in my life. You know, I know what my relationship was with him. I know how significant it was. I know who he was to me. I know what I was to him. But what's most important is the music and you know for my kids they have that they can hear you know mama singing on all that that's the stuff they relate to you know the stuff that i have you know not so much you know not so much they you know they don't have the same relationship to this stuff that i know um collectors would yeah i mean how could they you've got these great um, you know, uh, neck pearl necklaces 
you know, handfuls of them that you know he wore during the Purple Rain tour, right? But your kids aren't oh, aren't going to ever recognize that. You know, to them, it's just you know whatever that is, costume. No, no, as a they never will. They never will. They'll see that as you know. They'll see that as junk jewelry. They don't see it as anything else. And that's when I came to your house. I was like, what? You know, you had a pile of this cotton, but you yes. know, all of it stage worn, stage used by Prince during you know. Yes, that's the stuff, you know, backstage in his own dressing room, you know, ever, always before every show, um, Robin, um, his, his makeup artist, would have all the, everything laid out perfectly and on, on all of the, the um, all of his, everything was laid out absolutely perfectly on his dressing table. And there was always the jewelry, you know, like you know, sit in front of the mirror and there'd be all the makeup and then there'd be all the jewelry. And what are we going to wear today? What are we going to put on? What's going to happen? You know, many times being in his dressing room with him, it would be, you know, do you, do you want to wear that suit of mine? You know, and he would say, put that one on. And then, you know, let, you can go out in that one and here, put this, the, you know, take these and, he'd, you know, start handing, put this on, put this on. And you can wear this. And that's what all that jewelry is from those moments being backstage with him. You know, that's. That's his jewelry, whether, you know, for, for stage, you know, he would never call it a costume in any way, shape or form, anything he wore, you know, didn't matter if it was, you know, real pearls or not, nothing was costume to him. This is how he dressed day in, day out. And so that's, if it's beautiful, it's good enough for him. Not a good enough. It's exactly what it should be. What you had that knocked me out though was you had a gold waist chain that's i i you know i i wouldn't think anybody could fit into that waist that was he, he was tiny you know and in that kind of uh waist tiny chain, yeah how tiny tiny he was tiny 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 his waist was tiny and yes that was from parade tour and it was in paris it's amazing that that thing fit around his waist but yeah that was his Yep. Wow. Now tell me the story. There's also, we have a cross. Yes. It's it, look, it was not, it's not a, it's not the, a, a 24 karat gold watch. It is that from the first show, he would take his necklaces off and he'd throw them. Right. But that was, that's what it was for. He would take the cross off and he'd throw them. Um, this particular one, he did not take off that particular show. And I remember I took it off of him at the end of the show backstage because he put a different one on, and that went to me. There's also um, one of the things that we have, Susanna, is this uh, a, a, a beautiful written note uh, where he's, he's talking about that ballet, but he, he says a few passages are still missing, but I'm almost done. I love you. Please write. That has real significance, that one, uh, because you know, I grew up as um, a dancer, and... Um, that's what I thought I was going to do. So I thought I was going to be a ballet dancer. And, um, and I went a different route, clearly. Um, went back, went into the family business as a musician. <laughs> and so when I met Prince, um, he, was, he was intrigued by that. He was intrigued by, the, by dancers. Uh, you could see it through his history, like you know, everybody on stage, the choreography, the um, the uh, the people that he shared the stage with, most of them have a dance background. The 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 gals that he would you know share that stage with. Um, we were we were, this was this was 
during the recording of Purple Rain. And we were walking down Melrose Avenue. It was really late, 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 late at night. Uh, nobody was out. And, and he asked me to teach him how to do a pirouette. Wow. That's some So <laughs> here's the two of us on Melrose and I'm teaching him how to do a pirouette, you know, and you can only get the single pirouette. He couldn't get a double pirouette, <laughs> but it started there with, you know, the actual pirouette, you know, like, okay, going to fourth position. Then you actually, you know, like we, I was trying to really give him like a real ballet lesson on how to do a pirouette because he had done something different. He was doing a spin that he sort of used both his spin and a pirouette for the rest of his career, but he needed to know how to do the pirouette. So <laughs> right there on Melrose Avenue was, in the middle of the night. There we are on Melrose Avenue. It was probably two o'clock in the morning. No one's out and we're goofing off and I'm teaching him how to do a pirouette. So throughout the years, um, ballet was something that we shared our love of ballet and it wasn't till years after um, I was back here in Los Angeles that he'd called and said, I'm working on a ballet and I really want you to hear this. And so when he finally sent me what he had, he sent me that with the note. Wow. That's cool because it comes with a little envelope to you, but is it is from a later period of his career. Yes. Um, but yes. But again, that beautiful yes. handwriting. Another thing that we have that's, that you have that's giant uh, for what for Prince writing is this uh, cue sheet for mountains. Um, I, I'm going to read it, or maybe you can sing it because it's got it's got the high part and, and the low part. But it's only mountains and the sea. Love will conquer if you just believe. It's only mountains and the sea. There's there's nothing greater than you and me. <laughs> and some and somehow you ended up with that. It's it's pretty cool. All on Prince's hand. Yeah, that's the lyric for the chorus section uh, in mountains, what, what was so special about that particular piece of paper and why it's, why it, it's, you know, just sort of pulled out. It is a giant art book that Prince and I would draw in and he took it to the studio. And, and you ended up with it and it's, and I'm, and I'm glad you did. I mean, it was in the studio and I was like, no, I got to bring that back in there. And then went, went in the studio to get off the, um, the stand and brought it back into the book. The auction is September 27th. You can see all of these items uh, and more. We've got gold, gold records and uh, other jewelry. We've got a wand that you can read about. That's, <laughs> that was the inspiration for quite a... Well, let's quickly talk about the, the oh, wand yeah. that we have. Well, the wand... Okay, so the wand is important because when... It's, a, it's, a, it's just a moment in history for me and him. But we were in Paris... And we were in, I would think we were in the right bank or the left bank, sorry, left bank. We were shopping and, you know, you have those sort of snowballs and you, you know, you it, like little cities within the snowball and you sort of turn them around and the snow falls. It's this little, you know, glass orb. Well, during this time, I think it was like, you know, you get the pen with the Eiffel Tower that would go from one side to the other in this liquid this was a, a wand with glitter in it. No, we had never seen anything like it. It's so funny that you think about it now. It's, it's, it's the kind of thing you'd see on any 
you know, five and dime store. But at the time it was super special, like in this lucite thing. And it was all these little beautiful glittery things going from one side to the other. And we bought it. And at, this was the moment where he said, we need to, I need to get canes made of these. I want a walking cane made with all that glitter in it. And that wand went back to Minneapolis to Karen and Karen had his wands. I mean, his, his um, canes made from this beautiful piece that he loved. So that's why it's, you know, that's why it's there. It's that, you know, that inspiration for him to me, it's a great, it's a great story. I mean, I remember it perfectly walking and buying it and putting, you know, and saying we loved it. It was this. So, he went away. It, those 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 canes were, you know, iconic. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, iconic. They're iconic for with him. So that's where that came from. It's just so great. That's why it's there. You know, there's only certain people in this world that will understand that wand, and we're gonna find them for you and make sure that that story gets told to the next generation of Prince fans. So no, it's also completely, uh, you know, out of body experience to sort of offer out something so personal and so much what was my own history with him. Um, it's an existential experience to say, you know, like this is now going to go into the future in and have a home in the future. I'm hoping that it does. I do. I really do. And that people enjoy it as much as I loved it. And I loved him. Well, you can tell that, you know, he loved you uh, during this period because it's uh, it's powerful stuff and, you know, what we do at our auction is we, you know, we sell things to people. We, our clients care and they love collecting and they do take care of these things. So we're going to find a good home for these things, Susanna. So thank you so very much. You're so welcome. And thank you so much for um, taking a minute. Susanna Melvoin uh, calling us from Los Angeles here in Boston at our auction. We've got a big sale of all Prince material on September 27th. 2017. You can register for the sale at rrauction.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to see you bidding and be one of those people that's going to curate these collectibles for the future. We need people like you who are going to come bid and take care of these things for us. Thank you. This is Bobby Livingston. We'll see you down the line. 